Thank you, Jesus. God, we just thank you so much that we can be called the children of God. God, we thank you that you have chosen us, that you have chosen to come to die on a cross for our sin, that we could have life, to have life with you, to have eternal life even forever with you, God. We just want to say thank you, Lord, this morning. God, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the plans and purposes you have for us. God, I just pray this morning as I speak now that, God, you would... Speak to our hearts, Lord, that you would encourage us in the deepest place in our hearts, Lord. Lord, where we have discouragement, where we have fears, God, anxieties, Lord. God, I just pray this morning that you would just speak into those things, that we would know that the God of the universe is with us, that he is for us and not against us, that we would have courage like a lion, like we've sung about, you are the lion of Judah, God. I just pray that we would have some some boldness and some courage like a lion this morning, Lord, even as I share, that you would stir that within us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Um, I remember talking to a, a guy I work with at, uh, or I used to work with at uh, the school where I, I'm a school chaplain and uh, in a primary school, and I remember talking to him and he, he said, he said to me, now, that church you go to, it's not one of those happy, clappy churches, is you? Is it? I'm like, yes. Is that... <laughs> bad like I like being happy and clapping's kind of exercise it's good and I I, I said to him like we went to the Commonwealth Games just not long before that conversation I said to him we went to the Commonwealth Games recently and we were cheering for a guy who ran 10 kilometers I can't remember his name but he did really good and the crowd went crazy there's arms waving and we're getting so excited there's tears flowing because he's going the Aussie's gonna win I can't remember if he won or not but um (laughs) Um, and we're like, we got excited because this guy was going to win for our country. But we come to church and we celebrate that Jesus has won the victory for the whole world, all of humanity for all time. And I reckon that's worth getting excited about. So, If someone asks you, do you go to one of those happy clappy churches? You go, yeah, and it's awesome. I love it. I hope you do. <laughs> Sorry if you don't. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting, just calm down, Andrew. Okay, I'm going to pray. I just already prayed. We won't pray again. (laughs) Pray for me. Thank you, God. We're going to read the Bible this morning because the Bible is God's word to us. And we're going to read and hear what God says to us. All of God's word, the Bible, Bible, it's alive. It, It teaches us what God is like. It helps us to understand who he is, to see what he's done, to see what he's doing, to see who he says we are. But before we read, I wonder, who's ever watched a kid eat an ice cream for the first time? Anyone ever watched a kid eat an ice cream for the first time? Like, it can be real messy. And if they're anything like any of our kids, it's kind of like, just have a little lick to start with. And it's like, the eyes just go zing. And it's just kind of like, ah, and just rub it all over their face. And um, I thought, well, here's a pre- picture I prepared earlier. Um, so it wasn't his first ice cream, but uh, there's Michael enjoying his ice cream on, uh, on Monday. I think I shared last Sunday that last week was just a crazy week for us. And uh, Monday, I just took the day off and we went headed down to the beach together. And it's so good to spend time with your family. I want to encourage you, make time for your family. Um, life gets busy, but we need to prioritize those things. And he's, he just loved that ice cream. We all got ice cream. There we are. Um, that's a lot of ice cream for seven people. And... Uh, 
It was so good. But a kid, the first time they have an ice cream, it's just like, wow, there's the excitement, the enthusiasm, and they just don't care if they rub it all over their face and get it anywhere, hence the little bib thing that Michael's wearing. I remember a wedding I was officiating at. I need to say officiating. Nathaniel's told me off. I'm not allowed to say I keep marrying these people. He says, it's too confusing, Dad. Um, uh, I was officiating at a wedding, and uh, Joseph was just about four or five months old maybe, and the, the couple had decided to have ice creams after the service um, for everyone. And she comes up to Joseph at the time, she's got an ice cream, and she's like, oh, does the baby want a lick of the ice cream? And I'm like, are you sure you want to do that? And she holds the ice cream out, and Joseph has a lick, and it's just kind of like, tiger arms just goes, pounce! And she didn't get any more ice cream. In fact, I don't think she got any of the ice cream, but... This morning, before we read the Bible, I want us to think about and have the attitude of excitement and expectancy, like a little kid having an ice cream for the first or the second time, going, wow, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be extraordinary. I'm excited. I'm ready. I am enthusiastic for what God's going to say to me now, what this is going to be like. So let's read the Bible. Let's be excited. Let's, even if we've heard this passage a thousand times, I want you to think about this, to, to hear it like that kid eating the ice cream for the first time, that there's, there's, a, there's a freshness and an enthusiasm about God's Word. We're going to read Acts chapter 16, and it's about Paul and Silas. Paul is a guy who uh, has a dramatic conversion and believes in Jesus and Silas, and they're, they're on this journey together to tell people about Jesus. And we read in Acts chapter 16, if you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to open it up. If not, it's on the screen anyway. From verse 16, it says this. One day, as we, Paul and Silas, were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money from her, for her masters by telling fortunes. Now, I just want to pause there for a second and say, you know, we live in a spiritual world. And we live in a world that is full of TV shows and movies with supernatural themes. And I don't know what your experience, what your belief, what your understanding is. I know it took me a long time to have a revelation that actually we live in a world that ha- there, there, is a, there are spiritual powers at work in this world. But I don't think it's any coincidence. It doesn't matter where you go in the world, what country, what culture you go into, there is an awareness that there is a spiritual realm in this life. And we're about to find out a bit more about that spirit that this slave girl had in the next verse. It says, She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Actually, I don't think that's how she said it. I'll tell you why in a second. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated, 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 that he turned and said to the demon within her, so Paul's acknowledging this is a demonic spirit within this girl. And I don't think this, this girl's saying, oh, hooray, he's come to tell us about how to be saved. I think this girl is saying, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they've come to tell us how to be saved. <laughs> and I think she's mocking them, even as she says that day after day after day. And Paul gets exasperated with this girl. And he says to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. 
Her master's hopes of wealth, remember she's a slave girl, her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities in the marketplace. The whole city is in uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I wonder if that's how you would have felt in that moment. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. That is an interesting moment. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself! We are all here! The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Interesting, he wasn't doing that before, was he? He was kind of like, chuck him in prison, you'll be right. Suddenly he's got a compassion that he never had. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. The next morning, the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, let those men go. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have said you and Silas are free to leave. Go in peace. And I just feel like the jailer would have been like, man, this is the best weekend of my life. Thank you for coming to get put in jail. So good for me. And now you can go too. But Paul replied, They have publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison, and we are Roman citizens. Now, so now they want us to leave secretly? Certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. I just wonder if the jailer might have been like, hey guys, like, it's been a great weekend, but I reckon you should just, just, just go. Just go. Paul's like, no way, we ain't going. When the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to the jail and apologized to them. Then they brought them out and begged them to leave the city. When Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia, the lady that sold purple cloth who just got saved in the chapter before. There they met with the other believers and encouraged them once more. Then they left town. Just for a moment before we look at that, I just want to ask you, I wonder if you remember your first thoughts about God. I wonder what your first thoughts about God were. Maybe it was as a three-year-old, maybe a six-year-old, a 15-year-old. Maybe it was just this week. I don't know. For me, I think my first thoughts about God were, yep, He could be out there somewhere in the cosmos. Maybe there's this big, powerful God somewhere, but I don't really see what it has to do with me. And the whole church thing, that was kind of boring. That was my thoughts about God. And... I want to say, don't judge God by people. 
We, we try and be his ambassadors. As his church, we are the body of Christ, the Bible says. But don't judge God by what humans do. As much as I try and live for God, as much as I try and be loving like Jesus, as much as we try and tell people about Jesus, let's never be turned away from God because of what a person has done. People will fail us time after time after time, but God will never fail us. I wonder what thoughts you had about God. I believe we all have a a theology. We all have a theory about God. Theology actually means study of God, but we all, from our life, survey things and see things and we come up with our own theology about God. Whether you knew it or not, you have a theology about God, a belief about what He is like. And different things in our life can form that and we have opinions about God, but it doesn't change who God is, whatever we think about Him. You might think, I don't want to say what you might think about me, but uh, you, you can have thoughts about a person, but if it's not true, it's not true. And we can think whatever we want about God, but it doesn't change who He is. I wonder what theology you have. I wonder what view of life you have. I wonder what your worldview is like. This morning I want us to look at the people in this passage we've read in Acts 16. I want us to look at the different people and their view of God, their view of the world and life, and how that changed through this chapter. First of all, the slave girl. You've got this slave girl. I wonder what her view of God was like. I wonder what her view of the world was like. Now remember, she's a slave. She's not just an employee with uh, special entitlements and superannuation that she's going to save up and retire and have a good life. She's a slave. She has been sold. She has been bought. She is someone's possession. She's owned by someone. She has a special ability, but as we read, it's a demonic thing that's, that's giving her that ability in her life. And it says day after day, she's harassing Paul and Silas. Another translation says she was screaming and shouting at them day after day. I believe this girl was living in torment. She was a slave. She was owned. She was a possession of a person and she was possessed by a demonic power. And she was living in torment. And I, I just wonder, we don't know for sure. She's living in a Roman city where there's kind of like any God's okay as long as that, that's your God, that's your thing. But I just wonder if her view of God might have been a little bit like, well, I don't know, but he doesn't care about me. I think she's, she's that slave just working for her masters. And I, I just wonder if her view of the world and of God might be, well, he might be real, but he doesn't care about me. And there's a slave owner. I just wonder what picture comes to mind when I say the slave owner. For me, it was like that, you know, that big giant guy in Shrek? He's got like one eye, I think, actually. But like, that's the sort of picture that comes to mind when I think of the slave owner, this big, ugly, I don't know, unkind, uncaring, brute of a man. We don't know what he looks like. I wonder what picture comes to mind for you. Maybe it was a little weedy guy who's just a really shrewd businessman and he's bought this slave, I don't know. It says actually there's, there's a group of them that they grab Paul and Silas when they cast out the demon. And remember, this is their source of income. This is their hope of a better life. This slave girl that had this special power, they're kind of like, we're holding on to this because she's, she's bringing in the money. Like she's going to give us a hope of a better life. 
And we don't know for sure what their belief about God was. Maybe they had many gods being, living that time in Rome. But it says in verse 9, when their hopes of wealth were gone, they are so angry. They are so angry. They, they drag them into the city and they, they get the mob together and, and get them thrown into prison. They are angry. I just wonder if their, their view of the world, their view of God, their view of life might be a little bit like, well, no one's looking out for me. I'm looking after number one. They didn't seem to have too much care about the actual slave girl and what she's going through and the fact that she'd just been set free from this demonic power. They're not too excited about that. They're just going to look out for number one because this life's been pretty tough. This life's pretty hard and no one's helping me out, so we're going to look after ourselves. This Paul and Silas bloke, they can go rot in jail for a week here. They just wrecked our business. I wonder if that was out there worldview. Then we've got the city officials. And remembering it's a, a Roman colony. So when the mob come with the, these Jews who are teaching about this God, um, I don't think they really cared too much about what God they were talking about. They're causing a riot. And in Rome, you can have whatever God you like, but just don't cause a, a riot. Just keep the peace and you're okay. But you cause a riot, then we're just going to beat you. And we're going to throw you in jail. We don't care because we're fighting for Rome. And the, the, the motto of the Roman people of the time was for the Senate and for the people of Rome. That was their, that was their philosophy of life. It was all about the emperor who they believed was a god. That it was all about for the Senate and for the people of Rome and they were going to do whatever they could for, to keep the stability and to please the emperor. I think that's really what it was all about. To keep the emperor happy so that they could be happy. And this is saying happy wife, happy life. I think for them it was happy emperor, happy life. It's like keep the emperor happy, you might be okay. It's probably why they were a little bit scared and alarmed when they suddenly realised that Paul and Silas are Roman citizens. Because their, their philosophy is for the Senate and for the people of Rome. And now suddenly they realise, oh no, we've just beaten and, and thrown in jail these two Roman guys. We, we, we're in trouble here, potentially. They're a little bit alarmed. But that was their motto. Then there's Paul and Silas. You've got these Jewish Roman citizens. Now Paul is the guy who's, who's hated these Jesus followers. He was going out to, to try and kill as many as he could, to lock them up, to throw them into prison. Until the day well, he was Saul, he be, he changed his, God changed his name to Paul, and uh, he, he discovered who Jesus was and overnight went from a guy who hated these Jesus followers to going everywhere he could to tell people about Jesus. And at first the Christians are kind of like, whoa, don't come near me. I know you're saying you love Jesus, but they're a bit scared of him. But he's been on these missions to tell people about Jesus. And this time Silas is with him. And as we see in verse 37, they actually were not too happy about being beaten and thrown into prison. They're like, you guys threw us in prison without any trial and we ain't too happy. It's like, you're going to come and apologize, please. Thank you very much. They're not too happy about it. But then we read, even in prison, they're praying and they're praising God. They're singing praises to God, even in that jail, in that inner dungeon. I think their theology, their view of God, their view of the world, it, it could kind of be summed up as whatever happens, our trust is in God, we live for Him. 
Whatever happens, whether we're in this jail, wherever we go, our trust is in God and we're going to live for Him. We're going to give Him the praise. We're going to sing about his, who He is and what Jesus has done for us no matter what. That was their view of the world and what they were here for. And then finally, there's the jailer. Now, I can't imagine the jailer, this, this guy, I imagine as a kid, he's growing up. I can't imagine he went to school every day and he's like, I can't wait to, to finish school. Actually, he probably didn't get to go to school. But uh, he, he's a, as a young kid, I can't imagine he was going, I can't wait to be a jailer one day. I want to go and work in the dungeon because it's so dark and dank and stinky and it's, it's rotten and it's probably festering in the corners from stuff. I can't imagine he grew up going, I want to be a jailer one day. Like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. But this is his livelihood. This is his job. This is the way he supports his family. And he's, he's there, he's working. Maybe he's a really good jailer. Maybe he's the best in the whole city. And that's why they took Paul and Silas there, so, he wouldn't, so they wouldn't escape. Until this day. And we read in verse 27, he wakes up. The earthquake's just happening. Maybe he's just felt the tremors. And he sees the prison doors have, have been thrown open. And so it says he draws his sword to go and fight the prisoners and get them back in the prison. No, it says he draws his sword to kill himself. I wonder if you've ever met someone or maybe you know someone who, whose identity is so, so tied up with what they do. That our, our identity is all about how successful we are, with the thing that we do, the thing we're known for. I just wonder if maybe the jailer was so, his identity was all about, I am the great jailer. It's a rotten job, but I'm good at it. And in that moment, he feels like he's failed in his duty. And even though he has a family, he draws his sword to kill himself. Now, it's good for us to understand that at the time, the consequence, the, the penalty for, for letting a, a prisoner escape was to be put to death anyway. But I wonder if the jailer's kind of, he sees them escaped and he thinks, I'm just going to end it now. Better off to, to end it myself. And maybe they'll think I was fighting them off and they beat me and, and like, I'll die as a hero. I, I, do, I died fighting for Rome. Maybe he thinks that in that moment. Or maybe he's kind of like, well, I cannot go through the shame. I cannot go through, through the humiliation of being seen as a failure. So I'm just going to end it myself before they execute me. I want to say right now that you are worth more to God than you will ever know. Your value has nothing to do with what you do. Your value has nothing to do with what you look like. It has nothing to do with, with what people say about you. Your value is that you are created by the God of the universe who loves you, who created you in His image, who, who loves you, who gave Himself on a cross for your sin and for my sin. Your value is that you have been bought with the blood of Jesus. You are worth more to God than you would ever know. Maybe that's a challenge to your theology this morning. Maybe you've been told that God is angry with you. Maybe you've been told that unless you do this and this and this and this and you pray every day of the week and that you go to church every Sunday or if you uh, break these commandments that God is angry with you, that maybe even God hates you because you've done that thing. 
But it is not true. God is angry at sin and there is going to come a day of judgment for our sin. But Jesus came to take the penalty for our sin. God so loves us that he came. God so loves you that Jesus came and he died on the cross for your sin, for my sin, for the sins of all of the world. There is no sinner on this earth that Jesus didn't die for. doesn't matter how bad the things we've done are, our identity, our value is in that God created us, He loves us, and He gave His life for you. And in that moment when the jailer draws his sword and is about to kill himself, Paul shouts out, Stop! Don't do it! Don't do it, mate! It's like, Stop! This isn't the end. You don't have to do this. And he shares about Jesus. He explains God's love for him. And in that moment, the jailer's life is transformed. It says in verse 33 and 34, it says he believed and was baptized. God is for you and not against you. That was up there too, sorry. If you want to investigate that more, if that's a a revelationary thought, if that's like, wow, God actually cares about me, I encourage you to go and read Romans chapter 8. It's all about the love of God, that nothing will ever separate you from the love of God. But the jailer, he believes and he's baptized. Along with his entire family, he also believes in that moment. And I want to tell you this morning that we all have a theology, a, a view of God. But whether it's like the slave girl that thinks God doesn't care about me, whether it's like the, the slave owner who thinks I'm just going to have to look out for me because no one else is, Maybe it's like the city officials that you're just trying to please people. You're just trying to keep people happy. Maybe it's like Paul and Silas that your trust is in Jesus. Or whether it's like the jailer who thought there was nothing left worth to live for. I want you to know this morning that God wants every one of us to know Him more. God's desire for you is that you would know Him more. That the theology you have of God, the understanding you have about God, that it wouldn't stay the same that we would continue to grow in our knowledge of who He is and what He's like, of His amazing love for us. If we, we day by day, seek to find out more about God's love, we will be so... There won't be a day of our life that we aren't excited to be alive. Sadly, we can get busy. We can get tired doing things. We can get flat out doing things and forget that God has more of himself that he wants us to know about. God's desire is that he wants every single one of us to know him more, to understand who he is and understand who we are, who he says we are. Because he wants us to have life. He wants us to have life abundantly. I remember as a 16, 17-year-old going to hear a message a bit like the Youth Alive thing that Jess was talking about earlier talking about that God, that Jesus loves us and He wants to give us life and life abundantly. And that message in my life was kind of like, seriously? That God that I've heard about for so long actually wants me to have life? And that was the beginning for me of going, I want to find this life. I want to find this this life that people are saying I can have through Jesus. That's when I began to cry out to God myself. I wonder if you've heard about the guy who was having some trouble with his eyes and he googled what what fruit and veggies are good for your eyes has anyone heard this story no he googles and he he finds out chilies 
Oh, sorry, there's a verse first. We'll read the first. We'll read the verse, and then we'll, we'll talk about the chilies. Ephesians 4, this will continue until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That's God's desire for us. We don't have to reach that before we can be saved. We don't get saved because of what we do. We get saved because of putting our trust in Jesus. But then he wants us to grow in our unity and our knowledge of who he is and what he's done, that we might be mature and, and fully grown up. Now, the chilies. Um, this guy was investigating, what, what are these foods that are good for my eyes? And he, he was reading on Google and he finds out, chilies, they're good for my eyes. He gets so excited, he's like, right. He jumps in the car and he drives down the street. He goes to the supermarket, he buys these chilies, he brings them home, puts them on the bench, he chops them up, dices them up nice and fine, and he puts them in those little bowl things that you mush stuff up. And he's mushing it all up. And then he grabs it and he starts rubbing it on his eyes. He's rubbing it, he's rubbing it, he's rubbing it. And he's going, ah! Ah, my eyes! And his eyes just begin to burn and he's, he's just splashing water in his eyes. Because he didn't investigate the details that he's supposed to eat the things. You don't rub them in your eyes. That's just stupid. Who does that? Don't do that. Chilies are not good for your eyes if you rub them in. But God is the answer for us. But we can have some kind of crazy theory that sometimes if we, if we go and if we get Jesus, we buy a Bible and get baptized, then life will be perfect. Life will be awesome. It'll be great all the time. That's not the answer that Jesus is. That's not the way he answers life. And Jess knows that. She's talked about the roller coaster. And life is a roller coaster. Jesus is the answer, but we've got to investigate what God's Word says about who He is, about the way He helps us through the challenges we go through. You know what? The Bible promises you something. You put your trust in Jesus, you will have lots of things. Yeah, <laughs> Trials, you will have joy, you will have peace, but there will be troubles, there will be problems still in your life. But investigate it. Don't just go and rub Him in your eyes. It's like, investigate it. Come to maturity of your faith. Keep growing in Jesus. We might come to Jesus with a simple, 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 simple faith. But he wants us to grow in our understanding of what he's done, the fullness of who he is and what he's done. Every time you see chilies now, you're going to be like, don't rub them in your eyes. That's... It says the jailer believed and was baptized. He was physically baptized in water. He was immersed. Baptism it means immerse. Uh, that's why we don't just sprinkle some water. We believe it means to be baptized. You read in the Bible that people went down into the water and then came up out of the water. Baptism is to be immersed. And he was physically baptized on that day, declaring his faith in Jesus. But I believe God desires that we would also be spiritually baptized. God desires that we would be, be spiritually baptized, that we would be immersed in him, that we would be immersed in in His presence, that we would be filled with Him. As a church, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that God wants to fill us with His Spirit. That as we pray, that He, he fills us afresh every day, that we don't just get a one-time, here's the Holy Spirit, hope it lasts you till the end of your life sort of thing. God wants to fill us with His presence day by day. He wants to refuel us as we read the Bible, as we pray, that He, he wants to fill us with His Spirit. That Jesus promised rivers of living water that we wouldn't feel dry and, and actually was driving back from Meredith yesterday and we nearly ran the car dry and God doesn't want us to run to exhaustion 
before he fills us up again. He wants to fill us up day by day by day. Don't wait till you're on empty to say, God, I'm done for. Let's come to him day after day. God wants us to know him, to be immersed in him, that we might have life, life in relationship with him and even eternal life with him. Now, just as I come to a close, for every one of those people in the story we've heard about in Acts 16, for the slave girl, for the owner of the slave, for the city officials, for the mob, for the jailer, for the prisoners that were there witnessing what happened, every single one of them had a choice to make. They had a choice to make. They'd seen this slave girl's life transformed. They'd seen something happen to this slave girl. The the, the owners knew something had happened. That's why they get angry and they drag him off. Because they've seen something happen in this girl's life. And they have a choice to make. Are they going to investigate who this God is that can set this girl free? Or are they just going to stay in their own position about God and get angry about the situation which they do? The jailer, the prisoners, even the city officials, they see Paul and Silas doing these things. They see them praising God even as they're in jail. They see the earthquake, the the way the doors are flung open and all the chains fall off the prisoners. Like, this is crazy. This is not normal. And they have a choice to say, how are we going to respond to this situation? How are we going to respond to what we're seeing, about what we're hearing, about this Jesus, who these guys are saying are doing these things? How do we respond? We have a choice. It says the jailer when he saw the prisoners were still there, he runs to Paul and Silas. And he says, what must I do to be saved? He responds by saying, what must I do to be saved? He says, help me. Help me to find out about the, this, this hope that you have. You're in the dungeon and you're singing praises to God. You're, you're singing. It sounds like you're happy. It's like, help me. I want to have that joy. I want to have that peace. I want to have this hope that you're talking about that you, we can have in Jesus. Help me. What must I do to be saved? You know, we have a choice. We have a choice to make. We've, whether you know Jesus, whether you believe in God, but you're not kind of sure about Jesus yet, whether you're still kind of not sure what you believe about God. We've heard what Jess, Jess shared with us this morning about her life and how God has transformed her world. And for so many of us, there's been times in our life that God has just transformed us. And we have a choice, whether that's happened to us or whether we're just hearing about it happening to others, how do we respond to the things that we are hearing? Will we say, God, help me. God, help me to understand who you are. That was my prayer. When I heard that Jesus wants to bring life and life abundantly, I said, God, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But if you are real and you want to help me have life, help me, Jesus. God, please Help me to find this life that you say you have for me. God, help me to sing praise even when people beat me and throw me into prison. God, help me even though this is going on with my finances, I, I maybe can't find work, maybe there's this and this and this going in your life or your relationships and this is happening. God, help me to have joy and peace in you even though all this is going on. Maybe you need to cry and say, God, help me. Please forgive me for my sin, for ignoring who you are, for for just doing my own thing. 
Maybe you want to say, God, help me, set me free from the pain that I have. Maybe it's, it's emotional pain, maybe it's physical pain. I believe God will listen to your cry if you will say, God, please help me. I believe you love me. Help me to be free from this pain. Now, I was thinking about this because when I preach to you, I'm preaching to myself too, I've got to say. About five years ago, I broke my back. Most of you know that I broke T4, T5 and T6 in my body. Those bones were crushed and I landed headfirst on a bike. Don't do that. It's not very nice. Uh, I was in absolute agony for three months. I was drugged up on painkillers, and if I was half an hour late taking them, I'd be a mess. But somehow I thought it was a good idea to try and go to a conference in Melbourne. I think that was God. Otherwise, I shouldn't have been there. And sitting there in that conference, I don't remember being able to concentrate very well, but he was talking about faith. And in that moment, God, I believe, spoke to my heart and said, Andrew, do you want me to heal you? And I had a choice in that moment. I could have been like, well... People have already prayed for me. There's no hope. It's, it's not going to happen. I could have been like, well, that's just my imagination. What am I thinking that for? Like, why would God ask me that? But in that moment, I said, yes, please, God, please heal my back. Take away this pain. I don't want to live the rest of my life not be able to pick up my kids and, and, and cuddle them and wrestle with them. And please, God, help me. And nothing happened in that moment. The next morning, I woke up and I was pain-free. And God is able to help us if we will humble ourselves and cry out to Him. We don't know how God's going to answer the prayer. Maybe He's going to work in ways we hadn't expected. Maybe the answer is going to look different to what we expected. But I want to ask you this morning, will you, in this moment of, of, of making a choice, choose to say, God, help me. God, help me today. God, help me this afternoon. Help me to trust in you. I'm going to ask the band to come up and we're going to play a song. I just want to pray for people this morning before I finish. The words of this song says, Your love is devoted. God's love for you is devoted. Like a ring of solid gold, like a vow that is tested, like a covenant of old. God's love for you is unending. He offers His love to us. It says, Faithful you have been, and faithful you will be. You pledge yourself to me, and it's why I sing, Your praise will ever be on my lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips. I want to pray for you this morning. God, I ask that you would help us to understand that your love for us is devoted. That Jesus, you so loved the world that you came and you gave yourself upon the cross. That God, no matter what part of the roller coaster of life that we're on, whether we're having great times or, or terrible times, that God, your love for us is there, it's available for us. But God, you don't force yourself into the situation, you just wait for us to invite you in. And God, I just pray this morning that you would just help us. Help us, God, every single one of us, no matter what view of God we've had in the past, to say, God, if you love me, please help me in this situation. Help me to have faith. Help me to have the joy that you died for me to have. Help me to have the peace. Help me to find forgiveness in you. The Bible says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If we recognize that Jesus died for our sin, 
and we say, thank you, Jesus, for taking that punishment from me. I'm going to live for you. The Bible says you are forgiven. You become a part of His family. And God, I just pray right now for anyone in that situation that God, you would help us to say sorry for our sin. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for us. Please help us all to live for your glory. I think of Paul and Silas, how they sang even in, in, the, in the dungeon, Lord. And God, I just pray that you would help us to sing your praise, to have peace and joy no matter what situation is happening around us, God, that others around us, like the jailer, like the others in prison, would see the hope we have in you, that they too would cry out to you and find that hope that we have. This morning, if that's you, if you, if you want to, to begin that journey with Him, I encourage you just to pray to Him now. Say, God, please forgive me. God, please help me. I believe He will answer that prayer. If you make that decision for the first time, we'd love to give you some, some things to read to investigate how to continue to put your trust in Jesus. Don't just go and rub chilies in your eyes. Investigate who He is. Apply it to your life. God, we just thank You for the freedom we have in Jesus, that we are set free from the power of sin and death because of Your love for us. That You, you died but you rose again victorious and that we too can have the victory. Can we stand this morning? Are we going to sing this song? Your love is devoted. Faithful you have been and faithful you will be. Your praise will ever be on our lips. I would encourage you, if that's you this morning and you've, you're making that decision that you want to live for Jesus, you want to surrender to Him, please tell someone that you came with, come and tell me afterwards. We'd love to pray for you. Let's, let's sing this and declare it and just thank God for His love for us this morning.